What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Hey, behaves! Dude, another one? Another podcast? It's third Don't of the stop. week. It's Wednesday, John. Next question. <laughs> uh, we got to get to some Warriors and Rockets and Shanty calls bullshit and Derek Carr. The, the, the stage is his and the 2020 draft, it's not too early. Did you see uh, Jeff Passan passing? passing? He tweeted out a picture this morning of Royals, Tampa Bay in Kansas City. I swear to God, guy, there were 75 people there. Is the, it, the game was going. 75 get, people. No, I didn't see that. He even said, like, this is, the, this is the least amount of people I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> I'll pull it up right now. That's yeah, small. Wow. Is it? God. <laughs> Looks the like, game's going on. Yeah, that's incredible. This the only game with less was remember the um, the riots in Baltimore a few years ago, uh, the protesting in Baltimore, and they played the game with nobody in the stands. Oh yeah. Well, remember when uh, the kid that got shot in sack, the boogie ended up paying for his funeral. That mm-hmm. everyone protested, and no that's one could right. get to the game, and that's there were right. only like four hundred people there. And Vladdy just told them all to sit in the front row, so they they played a game that's in right. front of like. 350 people. Hey, shout out to Steven Vogt back in the big leagues, John. I never stopped believing. I don't know about yourself. Nope, never stopped. What? I, did someone get hurt? What happened? Uh, how, how did he make it? I don't know. I haven't checked the transaction list, but I'm, I'm just all I know is he's back. I, 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 I peaked at the Giants game yesterday. They were getting their ass kicked. So, uh, yeah. I saw yeah. JP Morosi said that. He thought that uh, Bellinger had the greatest first month in Major League Baseball history. Just like every statistic, it was like, Jesus Christ. Jeff, made, I... made a great throw little, the other day. Little, little Jeff, brother. What's up, Jeff? He just, I think he just got a new golf cart. Time, Must to, be go golf, time to go golfing? Yeah, the other day... He's calling you from the golf cart Bluetooth? He, uh, he was at... This is my little brother, farmer, slash, you know, just kind of drives around with the dog and checks on things. They were like... Doing something to a field, technically like mowing the field, but it was really just getting it ready to plant some stuff. And this mower, which is really more like a tractor, just has these huge blades and shoots things up. 
Well, it got a clump of rocks, and the rocks started getting shot out like bullets. And the tractor was aimed where he was standing outside of his truck, and a rock hit him right, kind of right in the forehead, and uh, split his forehead open. And he went down, but he oh lived my, to oh tell about God. it. That's he's outrageous. he's fine. They, they glued his head back together. Holy, that's disgusting. Yeah, he said it. He said it was so fast you couldn't. Even, it was like a bullet. Right. But luckily, the rock was a flat rock, so it just the cut on his head was basically just a. Uh, you know, just from the contact, not like a point. Right. You know, remember when Clay Thompson got the elbow and he started bleeding mm-hmm. down the middle of his face? It's kind of like that, mm. but a rock. Did he, did he stay down longer than James Harden? Just say he didn't totally go down. Oh, my God. What he a just stuff. kind of, uh, he said he could feel the air. You know, when you have a cut, oh. you're like, God, I can yeah, feel yeah, it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the drip, just, and ugh. it was like. Whoa. Uh, shout out to that guy. Yeah. So. And I think he had to tell the ER doctor, you know, because it gets, you know, like HR stuff. Right, right. You know, so he's just like, yeah, he claimed that he was changing a tire and a car drove by and, you know, he just made up a story. (laughs) (laughs) Think about all the makeup made up stories like that. That's nothing. That's a rock. Like when people legitimately get shot. Like, yeah, just just walking and bullshot me. You know, you don't want to get any snitches, get stitches, you know, like in the hood or whatever. The mob. You're like, oh, yeah, just. Bat to the knee, you know. Uh, son was taking some hacks in the cage and he missed. Fell down some stairs. Think of all the stories people in ER have heard that would get someone in trouble that have been completely made up. Yeah, I just sat right down on the Lego. I don't even know. I just sat down. There was a Lego there. I didn't even know it was there. Sir, there's nine Legos. Close my, let me close my window really quick. So we, we had, that wasn't a motorcycle, but four minutes in, we've got a uh, lawnmower. This podcast, uh, John, is brought to you by... Sherry's berries. Mother's Day is quickly approaching. Tell your mom you love her. Don't tell her about the time you got hit in the head with a rock. Mother's Day means more than just moms. It can mean grandmas. It can mean sisters. It can mean sister-in-law. It can mean the godmother of your children. Um, And Sherry's berries makes it easy. I know mom, my mom and your mom, Mama Haberman and Mama Middlecoff have been getting Sherry's berries for a little while now. Big supporters of the podcast, which we appreciate. And, um, I'm not a mom, neither are you, but I'm a big-time consumer of Sherry's Berries. Guy, there's a chance I just order some berries and have them sent to myself because they're that good. Uh, they come to they technically design just for mom, topped with chocolate chips, pink shimmer sugars, mm. and swizzles. Mm-hmm. You get white chocolate, you get dark chocolate, you get milk, chocolatey goodness, and the guy, they put a smile on your face. And this, this pro- promotion we got going right now has uh, – you can upgrade it to a box of 12. I know that's the one you got, my mom's got. Uh, so don't wait until the last minute. Get on it right now. Berries.com, promo code HAM. Yeah, it's doubling the berries for 10 bucks is the promotion you're talking about. I like. I actually like the ones that's just chocolate, and then there's like 150 mini chocolate chips just surrounding the that strawberry. That one's pretty legit. That's probably I like my the, favorite. I, I like the white chocolate. I'm a sucker for white chocolate. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. You choose your delivery date to ensure mom gets your gift exactly when you want her to. Don't wait until the last minute. Do not. Visit berries.com. To order freshly dipped strawberries starting at nineteen ninety nine for the moms in your life, or to make mom really happy, you can double the berries for just ten dollars more. Guy, Mother's Day is literally right around the corner, May twelfth. So visit berries.com. That's b e r r i e s dot com. Click on the microphone in the upper right hand corner, and promo code ham, baby. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. Promo code ham. 
Uh, that was a good tweet you had, by the way, about James Harden when the ease.com hits. And then the responses were all just promo code ham, promo code ham with his bloodshot eyes. Uh, this podcast also brought to you by Hair Club. Be confident. Be locked in. It's taken the middle cough a long time to get to this level of extraordinary confidence with that smooth, shiny dome. You took the goatee off. Uh, but hairclub.com, they know that. They know it's important to men and to women. They understand the emotions you're feeling. And it, uh, Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions. They've got a ton of different options. And um, right now, you use the promo code HAM and you can get a free consultation. Guy, whether you're looking to revitalize the growth of your own hair, which I'm way past, or learn more about the latest proven methods for hair replacement or restoration, again, I'm not just saying this because they're promoting on our podcast or sponsoring our podcast. I, I, I think about this daily. Hair clubs professionally ta- uh, trained stylists, hair health experts, and consultants will craft a personalized solution to ensure you feel your best and get the most out of your hair. Again, guy, if you're already bald, I've had friends. We've obviously seen famous people that do it. The hair restoration is a real thing, and all you have to do is go to hairclub.com slash ham. All we need you to do is sign up. And then if you just sign up, it's free. Take it from there. You get it. I'm all for it. Yeah, I, I might do it. You get the free hair health uh, and scalp analysis for new customers. And then you also enjoy $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after the initial consultation. That's hairclub.com slash ham for the free hair health and scalp analysis and $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after the initial consultation. Hairclub.com slash ham. I know the, you know what I am doing this week? For sure is uh, I'm ordering another Untucket shirt. Oh, me too. I'm, I'm going to write that down right now. Back on the pod this week, and so I'm all over it. Michael with the short sleeve, John, for uh, for the summer for the summer warmth. The temperature's dipping into the 70s, John. It's a little for much for me to handle here in the city. Yeah, me too. Old school, 85, Haverman would be wearing a hoodie, but uh, now, man, anything over 68 is hot. Um, Untucket is the brand you've been looking for. We've been telling you about it. The original Untucked shirt, a modern solution to an old problem. No tucking or tailoring required. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect length untucked. Guy, the good thing about with all these sponsors is they send us stuff, so we try it. So when we talk about it, we're actually living it. We're wearing it. I wore it on you know national television the other day, but I'm telling you, the, the, no, no big deal. But when you put on one of your other shirts, that nice shirt, whatever, but then you realize, like, why is this thing hanging down so low? That The untucked shirt guy... It's incredible. It is the perfect length to keep untucked. It, it's, it doesn't make it – and it works for casual. You want to go take, a, take your wife to a nice dinner, take a girlfriend out, go on a date, business meeting. Hell, just wear leisurely at the office. It works for everything. The fabric, that's the thing, guy. The fabric, how nice is the fabric? I, 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 again, I'm going to order two right now. Yeah, I, I, I think the fabric's really uh, high quality based on the price point. Uh, it's high quality, period. But I think based on the price point, it's impressive. Um, you can try it one on in person at one of Untucket's 50 stores nationwide or just go to Untucket.com. It's really easy because they offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the United States. Ooh. Save uh, 20% on your first order by using our code HAM at checkout. That's Untucket.com. And when you check out, promo code HAM. 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 All right. Uh, let's, get to, uh, let's get to some stuff here. Rockets Warriors, game two. Did it uh, did it live up for you Tuesday night? Uh, yeah, I mean, I what I appreciated most about the game was the crowd. Like to me, Daryl Morey and the Rockets' antics. Sometimes the crowd, like 
I, I couldn't afford to go to a game if I wasn't going to get a media pass. Too expensive. The crowd's a richer crowd, you know. Right. Lake you're paying a premium. Uh, but even the techie nerds and, and the people paying elite price, there was an edge to that crowd, which I, I, the best four games I've ever been to in my life in the NBA, beside the the game seven that this girl I was dating at the time took me to, and I told her, you know, no strings attached. I'll go to the game with you. <laughs> She's like, I'll take you to the game. I'm like, okay, I want to go to the game. But those I know we games, haven't talked in three weeks, but. Yeah, it was more like two months, but, you know, we went. It was sweet. Uh, ran it in Dinamikasu, Jared Goff. Cool game. But to me, those OKC games, I, I think I sat next to you all those games. Mm-hmm. There was an, That was like peak Warriors. Still kind of, you know, I, it wasn't inexpensive then. But it had a little more authentic feel. Uh, probably It wasn't probably like Clippers of the year before or anything, right? Or two years before. But it just had an edge to it. And I kind of felt that on the crowd last night. And, and to me, the players, like... I thought last night the two guys that really stood out, I don't even need to read their box score beside Iguodala and Draymond who come back to playoff version. Mm-hmm. Steph and Clay, just the intensity in which they play with. How about Steph on defense? Just how hard he tries. And to me, that's a that's a product of just the fucking feeling the crowd, feeling the edge of the series. I, I enjoy that as a fan, just watching the energy. And I'll give the Rockets credit too. They played hard. Yeah, I, I thought Jane, you know, first of all with Steph, I Steph, you know, Steph missed a, a number of early threes, and then of course the one he hits is the is the high degree of difficulty shot, and then it kinda But I'm with you on his defense. Um I, I thought one of the highlights of the night was when he kind of ripped not ripped, I mean knocked jarred loose the ball when James was trying to go up for a three late in the game right in front of the sideline and across from the benches and you know all the warrior fans were right there I think you're right I think the Maury story the referee story got everybody kind of amped up um I would have liked to have seen the Warriors once they got control of the game just finish it off not have Harden get that steal all of a sudden it's a four-point game with two seconds left three seconds left out of nowhere not that the game was in doubt but I do oh. think guy they're just a good team, so it's yeah. just no, good teams are. in the playoffs, and he's an all-time great player. They are. I, I do think I've disagreed with a, a number of people. I think I've dis- I think a number of people would disagree with this. When the Warriors were at their best, I to me they're better than four points better than the Rockets. I don't know if that's something people agree with or not. That's just how I feel watching the game. Um, but I feel you. But yeah, I mean, I I thought I, I thought at at, at home. Yeah, I just, I think the Warriors' best is just more than four points better than anybody else in the NBA. Um, but, I I, but, I, I, I but can that, see that. Okay, so maybe yeah, so there might there might be some disagreement there. But I thought you know Steph running out with that finger when you didn't quite know what happened. You texted me right away. Did he just break his finger? And well, I, someone th- I who, thought he broke. I thought he broke his hand just the way he was holding his hand before I saw the finger. You know, someone who sprained a finger yesterday, John, on my on my shooting hand. Uh, How'd you do that? Trigger finger. Uh, just, you know, dropped the weight and it bounced back up. Uh, you know, I kind of lost, it was really heavy, you know, so I lost 100 pound, grip 100 pound dumbbell. came back up. <laughs> 100 pound dumbbell, yeah, and it just kind of cracked my finger. Not a very, if you had seen the injury, you'd be like, what? That's, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, but I was a little concerned. Now, Steph, as it turned out, was fine. I, I also got concerned when James left the game. I I don't want James Harden out of this series. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want that, so I'm glad he came back. Not and, at all. Well, to me, I got a little nervous. Like God, he's been gone for a while. Did like he pop an eye? That's what I thought. Like he legitimately might not come back. I I got nervous that his that his like game was over. 
But then he came back in typical James fashion. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you think he really can't see? <laughs> I'm not trying to – I don't question, like, his toughness because clearly the way he plays, he's a tough guy. But I think him and LeBron, for example, are just so dramatic. Sometimes it's hard to totally know, like, is he okay? You know, like, LeBron, did you break your hand or did you just put the splint on to, for dramatics? Like, James – when they got you in the slow motion of like taking the free throw. And I mean, I, I think I'm kind of losing my sight. So sometimes like I'll be looking at a computer or looking at a TV and you know, you squint like, is he doing this to do it? Or is he really struggling? And then in the press conference, I went to bed, but someone sent me a text that he did not look at any reporters, you know, because in that room where they did work, well, it's the reporters are kind of, you know, the lights, he couldn't. He didn't want the lights to. I don't know. Burn the retina, because uh, he did get ice scraped, but I don't know. So I think you're right to be pessimistic. I mean, I, I think I think that injury was pretty legit. Like his eyes were bloodshot, both of them. Um, so I could I could I could see it being real. Like whether he needed to squint as much as he did, always the blinking. I can understand that it would feel to him like, at minimum, like he's got something in his eye. Like, it looked to me like that's how that would feel at, at best. Like, there's just something in there that you can't quite shake loose. Um, like an eyelash. You know what I mean? The way an eyelash or for people that wear yeah. contacts, a folded over contact. So I buy it. Like, I, I think he was playing at, I, I think he was, I, I think it was impressive. I, I think it was impressive. Did you notice how the Warriors were jumping to the side of every jumper, mostly? Like every perimeter jumper, the Warriors were going to the side and like waving the arms over the top. Like they were ready just in case that was going to be the referees flipped. Yeah. How about this? uh, We don't talk about quote unquote game plans. Just, I I don't think like we we more talk casually about basketball than really getting like the nitty gritty, like a Zach Lowe show or something. More like football, you know, we kind of sometimes dive into a game plan, a nitty gritty of a certain something happened in a game. What Ron Adams is doing to the lobs of like sending the guy that's covering the three-point shooter to come down, and Clay Thompson had like an Ed Reed pick last night, high-pointed the ball. And those guys on TNT, and I thought Kenny, who when Chuck and Shaq are kind of fucking around, will make some good basketball points sometimes. He basically said the big problem right now, no one runs the pick and roll better than Chris and James with Capella. Well, the role doesn't exist right now. Because this game plan, they can't throw the lobs. When when you just watch like on a January day, if you're at home watching Houston play, whoever, Utah, Portland, whatever, and they're just they're rolling. They where they kick your ass, not just they don't just hit threes and James goes nuts, is they keep you off balance because they hit these fucking lobs back to back to Capella. So then you freak out and then it opens the three point shooters to them. The lobs right now are not there for Capella, so him and his little blonde thing in his hair he he's been terrible guy he looks like they, a big they, dennis Schroeder. that's a good call <laughs> but he can't he's not hurting them yeah where the and he's really he's hurting the rockets big time so the and the warriors kind of role players which is it's crazy to call like draymond and iguodala role players are just kicking the shit out of the rockets just making plays dunks iguodala's three-point shot even when it misses I, i'm like I, historically I'd always be like, Oh no. Now it's like, God, it's going in. It, it's, isn't it, doesn't it look pretty pure right now? It does. The arc. 
Yeah, he's got they, an arc, he's got an arky three point shot. They, they left him on one yesterday, and he just he nailed it uh, in front of the Rockets bench. I I'm with you. It's a good point though. I feel like the Warriors on defense just look like they know what's com- they just know. It feels like they know what's coming. You think it's Ron Adams? Yeah, hell yeah, I think it's Ron Adams. Yeah, I mean this is this is when Ron shines. Like this is Ron series, right? He's playing one of the best offenses ever. Some of the more you know the most dynamic you could argue offensive player they've ever played over this run since Ryan Adams has been there. LeBron James, a better player, but James just pure offense in a vacuum. I mean, guy, he averaged 36 points this year. I know. I mean, yeah, LeBron. I'm not saying he's a better player than LeBron. I'm just saying just offense in a vacuum. James is arguably one of the most unique players we've ever seen for sure i think but remember like lebron would take them down in the post and you're trying to throw you would like start the game with harrison on them and then it'd be yeah i mean they had problems uh but yeah i mean james has been when this series started i thought it was a six or seven game series do you think it gets past five right now warriors 2-0 going back to houston can it go to six uh i thought charles had a good point last night like the they can't afford to split. They have to get two games. Houston. Houston. Yeah. To me, a split, you're probably screwed in game five. Uh, it's 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 just got to happen for them now. Do you, do you think did, – did you feel an effect watching that game from Daryl Morey or not really? Yeah, yeah. I think the Warriors were more locked in. I didn't think the officiating affected anything, but I don't think it helped the Rockets. I don't. I. I completely. I think it completely backfired on. It just Darryl. elevated the emotion. I thought of the series. on them and the crowd. Yeah. And I. I just keep getting back to would Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, or Popovich in Game One when you're not totally desperate yet, have gone all in like that. And Shaq said. Shaq said I used to. It used to bother me so much with officials, and and I. I do feel. If people forget now, but like Shaq was just people would take like baseball bats to him, and he I don't he wouldn't complain quite like those guys like, but he you could tell like it would get into his head, and he's like Phil Jackson by like year two told me stop fucking worrying about it, you can't control like you're you're spending you're wasting your emotion on this let me, I'll deal with it through the press but we're not gonna complain about it and did you notice last night, he got t- the T but he got it got rescinded. A couple times, Draymond, clearly they hammered it home. Like, just walk away. And he had a couple fouls, and he just smiled. It was kind of like atypical Draymond. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's almost like they said, look, man, the only way that we that this series now goes sideways is like, let's say something happens, like you, you know, like in the Cavs series, like something happens and you get suspended for a game. But as long as we're our best team, they're not going to beat us. I, I, you and I said this yesterday. And I felt this watching because I, I like the guy. I, I feel Mike D'Antoni. Like, it's not fair to do that to your coach when you're the GM. Yeah. After the series, I, okay. But game one, that's when also, you're just sitting in the stands. I, I think it's pretty fucked up. I think it was a miscalculation that. Yeah. I think it, I'm with you. Miscalculation. But, but and and now you've got to manage. Now you've got to manage the players after you've made public. We've got a built in excuse. Do you know what's funny, though, guy? When we say miscalculation, we act like it was calculated there was any other result. Like, Daryl, what did you think was going to happen? Any smart basketball person, like if you would have said this to Steve or Pop or Terry Stotts or in his prime Phil Jackson or Pop, they would have been like, that's the dumbest idea going. Like, no. Yeah, the, you mean like we're not going to suddenly turn on game two and they're calling everything in your favor. Yeah, 
Well, I just think they would have been anti. Like, if you would have said, do you think it's a good idea to leak our internal studies of the proprietary information and make and triple down on this? They would have said, no. Let's just right. focus on game two. Yes. Yes. If after the series we get rat fucked, then yeah, we'll go all in. But we, we will do ourselves a disservice. And like you said, what is the number one thing coaches always hammer home? Like, you always try to avoid built in excuses. Built in excuses. Because. And they can kind of indirectly do it, but when you just never make an excuse, no one ever has an excuse. Like they kind of had an excuse, even though it wasn't even valid. Right. I know. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, do, so at right now, five games or six games? What what feels more right? Uh. And I don't count out James Harden. Like I don't take James. Yeah, Harden. I mean, I, I I'm hoping for six, but yeah. I. I don't know. I I just that that game one. I think it's hard to come back from that. I agree. And now, and now his eyes is who knows. Well, that's one of those. I wouldn't be shocked if you tell me in two days it, it like feels worse to him. I don't know. I don't know how that. I'm no eyeball expert, but maybe it'll be better. The fact that he came back. Um, how, I mean, how, how good is Kevin right now? <laughs> going out with a bang, John. It's just, I, I kept saying like, you know what? If he leaves without winning championship. He might not get a standing ovation. He doesn't deserve it in perpetuity. Like, yeah, he's pretty damn good. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know? pretty good. pretty damn good. He's pretty good. It might be Seth's team and all, but Pete Kevin, just Pete Kevin in the playoffs is probably more dominant than even just Pete Steph. Like, it is, it is literally unstoppable because there's the dude's right in his face. There's just a just, physical nature to him that you can't duplicate. Yeah, he's seven feet fucking tall. Even Jordan and Kobe, like, they had to jump. Like, he just... He just goes right up above you. It's amazing. Uh, Shani calls bullshit, John. That was the uh, actual quote to Mayoko. I wish. I, I, what's the? Uh, I, I wish it said bullshit, not like B apostrophe apostrophe or whatever the little asterisk. Because this is a direct quote from Kyle Shanahan. He says this report that me and John are not getting along and that John Adam Peters are on the outs. What What did he say? Did he say it? He didn't say it's bullshit. Did he say complete bullshit? What did he say? Something along those lines. He had two words. One of them was the word bullshit. Spoiler. Yeah, he said complete. He said complete bullshit. So um, I think this is something that people will still sniff around a little bit because usually that doesn't end the conversation. I don't think there is going to be much more to this. I don't know what you think because usually what happens when there's a story that's big like that, beat reporters I think a lot of times have pieces of information that aren't reportable yet, or they have kind of as background, or they're off the record, or it's a situation they're aware of. And then if somebody opens the floodgates, then a beat reporter then is like, well, now this has been addressed. I can use some of my pieces of information here and add to a story. And that didn't happen. I thought if it, I thought we might get just somebody who covers the team or a couple people saying, yeah, you know, there are a few things out there, but there was none of that. Um, and I thought that was telling on Tuesday. And by the way, this quote to Mayoko came after we recorded the Tuesday podcast. Yeah, I mean, I... I thought it was the right way to handle it. I, I, I did think they needed to say something because it's something that would fester a little bit. Uh, in my in my own research, same thing I talked about yesterday of just texting people inside, outside the organization. Couldn't get one person that said, yeah, I heard this kind of getting weird. Because like we said yesterday, to me, the most simple fact was there would be no power struggle. The power hierarchy is set. And if you wanted these guys gone, they would be gone. Just to think, like, if he thought this guy couldn't get it done, that he would quit. 
Like I, I think that John Lynch might just retire, would just be like, yeah, I'm stepping away. You know, if there was legit problems, I, I, I don't believe that. I, I just don't. And I, I think you and I pride ourselves in not being naive to any of this stuff. I'm not, and and I think we both stand on the on the fact that I'm not disputing that there haven't been arguments and maybe even things that have been le- caused legit tension. And I'm writing an article tomorrow in the Athletic. One thing that I do think has caused some tension, uh, and this is normal, is the Solomon Thomas pick. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. Like Kyle doesn't like him. He can say whatever he wants, but. I ju- you get judged as a player. Not, I'm not talking personally. I'm talking as a player. He does not play in games. He, he, there was a stretch last year when he was playing like 20 snaps a game. And th- these were games where Jimmy was well gone and the season was over. You might as well just play him the whole thing. They don't think he's any good. And that was the number one pick. And I don't know the intricacies of like did Kyle love him. We do know that John loved him and was there for him. And by a year, you know, two years later, they're looking to trade him. So John can deny it all he wants. I know for a fact that's not they are they would trade him. The problem is he makes so much money, it's third overall pick, you can't give him away. It doesn't even make sense. Like, you know when Belichick does a missed pick for a second rounder and I'll give you like a seventh rounder? Well, that guy makes eight hundred thousand dollars. Solomon Thomas is dead cap. Even if he stinks on your you cut him, it's nine million dollars or seven it was seven this year, seven and a half and like nine next year. His numbers are big. Like you're not – Bill likes doing the second and third because he can get out for l- limited, you know, repercussions. Right. Solomon isn't. You're kind of – and that's why when, when you and I talked about the why we hammer home the first round so much, it's not just because obviously first-round picks are more important. It's because you're, you're, you guarantee the first four years of the guy's contract. You guarantee the first four years of the guy's the con- contract. And it's not like they got Josh Rosen, the Miami Dolphins – yeah, they don't own the bonus, but he's not really a cuttable player, right? You're just he's going to be on the roster either as a starter or the backup. They just acquired him for nothing. And it's different with a quarterback. Well, it's why like you know with the the, the degree to which John Snyder and Bill Belichick trade out of the first round, when you say I've got 15 first round grades, you're not saying that the 16th player on my board isn't better than the 40th player on my board. Of course, the 16th player is probably better than the 40th. But you're just saying the 16th guy is not worth trapping myself with if I don't think he's a first-round pick. It's just not It's just not worth it, right? I mean, it's, it's not saying I can't... Because I think John Schneider knows at 29, he might, he'll get a better player than he would at whatever, 55, right? But yes. he just knows it's not worth... Part of it is it's not worth tying myself to a guy that I don't think is worth it. So, I, look, I think there are definitely situations that if Kyle and John Lynch had some issues or if they were going to have some issues, there are things like, let's say, let's say two years from today we look back, John, and they're not together anymore. From today, as we yeah, see like here today. Two, like this two season and now. then the next season and then 2022 draft, it's Kyle and whoever else. I don't know. John Lynch and Kyle have said this is, you know, they've won nine Gude, games Gude and eight games. brother. Yeah. We'd look back, okay, what were all the things on the timeline that might contribute to them not working together in the future? Solomon would be one of them. Ruben would be one of them. Like, does D Ford work out or not? That's one of them. Is Nick Bosa good? Is, you know, all these, part of this is, is Jimmy Garoppolo good? Like, there's a million things here that, that will play into this. Um, do all the, like, does Kyle Juszczyk turn out to be good? Does, 
all the guys that Kyle wanted? Did they get the right receivers? Is Debo Samuel? Do we end up with like three number four receivers, or did somebody become a number two? Like yeah, all- see, to me, to, to me this year, there's a there's a group of players, right? Dante Pettis, they draft in the first round, or I mean the second round. D Ford, they paid a ton of money. Like yeah. there are there are now six or seven guys. To me, Jimmy stands just by himself. That's everyone would have done to, that deal. Yeah, to me, it's Pettis, it's Bosa, it's D Ford, it's Debo. It's some of these injured guys, Quan and uh, and Jason Verrett, Verrett, right? It's some of those group. Like, do, does one of them hit, or do they all just nothings? Just like, do they get 15 games out of Jason Verrett? And you're like, damn. Does D Ford play five games because he gets hurt, or does he play 15 and he's a borderline Pro Bowler? Because if things are good, then everyone will take credit. To me, if things go south, well, it's like ah. Well, Lynch, it, Lynch uh, Peters pushed for D Ford more than Kyle. And if things are good, it's not just that everyone will get credit; it's that everyone's happy to give credit. You're happy to exactly. say, exactly. Yeah, to, John. John wanted Jarek McKinnon too. To me, it turns into guy like, well, Robert Sala was the guy that really put us over the edge to make the D Ford trade, and I wanted to have Robert Sala replace last year. Like that, that's just the way things work in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Which is just a sad reality. So I, I, I'm telling you, guy, I, 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 playoffs. I know it sounds bold, playoffs, but I, I think it's either playoffs or there's just gonna be some shit, you know, because these guys make a lot of money. That's the one thing. Like when you these say- two guys combined make like twelve million dollars a year. So when you pay guys that much money. And now there's kind of some pressure. And even if it's fake, there is kind of like, are these guys really best friends? Because, again, we're all thinking it now, even though I've heard it's fake. Like, are these guys really on the same page? And if all of a sudden we're looking up in December and, you know, they're four and six or five and six going into December, you're like, uh. When you say some shit, you mean just like from the outside or in between the two of them? What do you mean? Well, you said if they don't make the playoffs, there's going to be some shit. Do you mean like just the media, like everybody would be going like, hey, are these guys good? Or you mean between the two of them? Well, I, I think there's that's something already, to pop off. Yeah, there's already been, that's already out there, right? The media and the fans, which creates pressure. Right. But I think there's legitimately like you're not three years. You really don't have anything to show. Like yeah. going eight, eight in the NFL, I'd argue is not. What do you really show? Like the Bears got Matt Nagy, boom, won the division. Hosted a playoff game. Yeah, so it's I mean, like yeah, that it, gets you equity for like four years. They they got their equity. You could argue has de- like all the equity of all the cool Peter King articles are kind of gone. Besides, we all think Kyle Shanahan's a good coach, but he got to win some fucking games. Yeah, and Jimmy getting hurt kind of has kind of put put the brakes on the whole thing last year. Um, but you only get like one of those years where it's like, yeah, but you know, people got hurt. It's like, okay, well, you change you change the trainer or the. Uh, well, I'll give you one. Whoever, if Jimmy gets hurt again, there were everybody. some people. And I think you and I thought, oh, hell, they Jimmy got was a steal. But if Jimmy gets hurt again this year and misses a substantial amount of time, that's a disaster, right? Yeah. So it's it's a disaster. Just simply put, it's a disaster. Here, here's a question for you. If they had not signed Jimmy Garoppolo to the $70 million guaranteed and given him the big contract, he would have played out last year, right? They would have franchised him. What would have happened this offseason? You franchise him again, coming off an ACL? Probably. I mean, what do you do? Like, what what options do you have? You let him let him walk and then just make a competitive offer. 
You franchise him two years in a row? Off. That'd be kind what, of nuts, right? What do you do? Because if you let him walk and you make a competitive offer, how big is that offer? Well, how much money is someone offering him off a torn ACL, guy? I don't know. There's always somebody. It's, it's somebody who loved his tape before he tore an ACL. Goes, that's an ACL. He's a quarterback. Like, how many chances are we going to get at a free agent quarterback? So you think, you think he still off an ACL would have got the same contract that the Niners got him? Because you could argue he probably would have. I don't. I, I think there's a chance that he would have, yes. I think quarterback, open market, the nature of an ACL injury is, I think, viewed as pretty recoverable. I don't know if he would have got that. I'm just saying, like, I don't think you get a deal on him if he hits the market. And I now we could argue, like, who's out there, how many teams out there really would be. Like, well, would be, well, Jacksonville my, probably still the, would rather pay Foles less money. You think so? I think they would go in on Jimmy. They'd go all in on Jimmy? Okay. So then Miami, do they want to lose or do they want well, Jimmy? Well all, the, well, all those guys are Belichick guys, so they would know him really well. So they, they uh, to they me, they would on. make a yeah, lot of sense. I, I, I think he ends up like tagged again. I don't know. Yeah. I think Miami would have been very aggressive if, the, if those guys like him, which You're right. seems you like every, everyone liked him. Yeah. Because it was the wide receiver coach as the offensive coordinator. O'Shea. So, yeah. So he's – so, yeah, it was just – so I, I'm even saying if you do if we do a look back, it shows they probably still made the right decision. Because think how it would have been really expensive to franchise him two years in a row. That would have been Kirk Cousins three years ago got that added up to almost fifty million. Well, the franchise tag's gone up. Obviously, his contracts that probably would have been that number's maybe closer to sixty, right? Twenty five, and then twenty eight, so or maybe fifty five. That's still a lot of money you're paying for two years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're still, but I think the counter argument would be, well, you're still making him prove it a little bit. You're paying a premium, but you're still, you're not tied down. Right. The, count, the counter is, this is only a one-year mistake if it's a mistake. Because what happens, guy, if he separates a shoulder or breaks a collarbone this year? It's kind of a disaster, right? Then they got to start looking for quarterbacks. Right. Because not, because he's not good enough, because you can't depend on him. Right. Yep. Which to me, is a ve- definitely a fair question elephant in the room, right? And we, yeah, we asked that question before he hurt the ACL. Would he make it through a season? Now, that injury is a little weird, but it's still, it's an injury. Uh, I, I'll tell you one thing I am happy about. I'm happy the Raiders didn't draft a quarterback. Um, and that this there's no, like, I think even if you draft a guy in the third round, there's just this weird dynamic because then you become the whole, but you guys love Kyler, so you're just trying to replace Derek. Um, and I don't know if Gruden ultimately wants to or not. Like, we'll talk about the 2020 class. If they don't play well this year, the Raiders don't win games. But at least the stage is set for, like, here is year two. Derek and Derek loves Antonio Brown. Antonio loves Derek, right? There's no Drew Locke taking snaps. There's none of that BS. It's just Derek's team. Go get it. Like, no excuses. Nobody doesn't have to look over his shoulder. We're not talking about any other quarterbacks. I know they got 15 backups. But the stage is set now for him. This is his team. And now there's no, like, this is what he's been saying the whole time. Hey, this is my team. But now there's no debating it. I texted a coach on the staff. I said, I kind of just wanted to know about the backup quarterbacks because they got Landry, Glennon, and Peterman. And my question was simply just, who looks the best out of the backup quarterbacks? And his response was simply, it's hard to tell. Derek gets the majority of the reps. Which sometimes in the off season is not necessarily normal. Like that's when you could kind of spread it around to see these guys because Derek has proved himself. But I think with Tyrell Williams coming in, Antonio Brown, they're kind of going all like this is John's baby. It's time for Derek, for John, 
to I, I don't think he'd have to play as well as 2016 because that year was legitimately high high level quarterback stuff. But if he's just a top 10 NFL quarterback, you know, low 30s touchdowns. To me, the single digit interceptions are not him. Like he's going to throw some picks. But if it's if it's 10 or 11, not 18, 19, and he just plays winning football, to me, that's fine. That's all. If he just you know the better version, like he doesn't need to be 16. But he needs to be like a better version of the best, like Andy Dalton or Tannehill. And those guys, we've seen it before, were like playoff-level quarterbacks, right? And he kind of got lost in this weird space where it's like, what is he now? So to me, he just has to reestablish himself as a top-10 player. And you can't deny that, I mean, they got him. I think you could make the legitimate argument, the best wide receiver in football. Definitely a top two or three guy. Like that guy, they have the a top two receiver in all of football, right? Like if you just were going to play a Madden game and you could pick from scratch, you're probably taking like him or Julio. Like they have that human. Then they got Tyrell Williams, which is a legitimate deep threat. They drafted a first round running back. Now I don't like that pick, but they did. And so you drafted a first round running back. That guy's got to be fucking good. So in theory, and you're already, you signed a right tackle or I don't know if he's playing right or left, but he was the starting left tackle on the Super Bowl champs, and you paid him a lot. Like, you did give Derek a lot of weapons now. And you already have, I mean, Gabe's a good player. Obviously, Rodney Hudson's a good player. Colton Miller is, again, didn't love the pick, but he was 15th overall pick, right? It's like, right. you do have a lot of capital invested into this unit. Right. And, and like, then, obviously, your coordinator makes $10 million, guy. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. So when you factor in Derek Gruden and all the money they're paying every like they have a lot invested into just that eleven guys plus the coach calling the plays. And, and I'm glad you said that because part of that part of this is like sometimes I sometimes it has felt to me like not I'm not trying I think we anyone that's listened to this podcast long enough although if you're new because you've been listening to the three and out podcast good to have you glad Middlecoff I cross pollinate spreading out there cross pollinating a little welcome. Um, I don't want to be a Derek apologist, but I do feel like sometimes he ends up on an island when we have these conversations. I'm not saying Gruden has gone uncriticized. He hasn't. But, you know, like you I thought, always say. I, I thought Gruden took the majority of the shit last year. Right? And self. Yeah, no, no. I'm not he, saying he that he. It. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm just saying I think there is a contingent out there that just. That is about Derek, which is fair. Like NFL quarterbacks get their own criticism individual of their coaches. Like that's totally fair. It happens all the time every single quarterback out there um but part of the reason he's a 10 million dollar coach isn't just the scheme but it's about the quarterback coaching right like that's part of the persona that's persona is not the right word that's part of the resume apparently so like is, is Derek better this year than he was last year just a simple thing like is he better he had some moments in like the second half of the season the more comfortable he went and I think most high level quarterbacks always you know say the one that stands out would 40, be... 41 minute sirens. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? We got a robbery? Do we got a... We got a 187? It's a 187 on the motherfucking block? <laughs> I don't know. Pro probably not many 187s in the marina. I hope not. Uh, we probably have like a... Uh, uh, a, hit, a hit and run, a.k.a. someone backed into a car, came out, there was a dent, people are pissed. But I, I think with Derek, to me, the two guys that stand out recently are Matt Ryan several years ago with Kyle. First year to the second year went MVP. Goff first to second year with McVay. Like the first year was good, 
the second year he went to a whole nother level mm-hmm. this year. Like that's look at Mahomes. He got the he technically got a redshirt year and then he came out swinging. I, I would expect Mahomes and I know the Chiefs expect this guy is the numbers. I don't know if you know he might never throw fifty touchdowns again in the game. Yeah, yeah. But they go this guy's gonna like. He's gonna really know our offense next year, and he already we already felt like he knew it. Like this guy is gonna be a master. So to me, that should be Derek in this offense with Gruden. Because again, say what you want about Gruden for the last year, the hype of the last twenty years of Chucky has been he is an offensive genius, and now it's probably more than ever right. The league is full of those guys: Kyle, Shaw, McVay, Sean Payton. Big Red in Kansas City. Like, it's all McDaniels. It's just Doug Peterson. Like, it's viewed – this This has to be top to bottom right now of, like, the top six or seven offensive minds as deep as it's been in my football watching life. Because there's always been, like, a couple. And then it's like, oh, this guy's okay. This guy. It feels like there is, like, seven, eight – I mean, how many Super Bowl winners? Doug, Peyton, Andy's never even won one. McVay's never won one. And they're viewed probably better or just as good as those two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Andy, Kyle has struggled in in San Francisco, but he's widely viewed as one of the best offensive minds in football. I mean, that's, that's pretty fucking deep. Yeah, like, and, I'd say, and, and, and I'd say let's pump the brakes on this, but like the Colts got much better in year one under Frank Reich. Now, part of it was luck came back healthy, but... Like I think the I think we're giving him I think a it's chance. Fair to say, like he's pretty good. Yeah, right? we're giving him a chance to like we're open open ears and open minds and open hearts on Frank. That Wright. one's you're right. That one probably hard to sell just to the mass and be like, oh well, let's look at his quarterback, yeah. right? But you put you do that for two more years, it's like oh even one more year, okay. You know because the fact is that the Colts even with healthy luck, like there's there's stuff still out there for them to go accomplish. Um. Andrew would be like, well, I did take, I did drag Ryan Grixon to an AFC Championship game. Yeah, well, I know. Is Cliff? You got Cliff on that list, John? Um, well, I th- and I just think there's some huge curveballs, right? Like, it, is Cliff some revolutionary guy? Well, that's floor? one. I think. Uh, well, uh, do you know the good name I forgot? G- Gase in New York, I think, is one. How about the old bald guy in Tampa Bay? Oh yeah, Bruce with Jameis, Bruce Arians. I do. I the more I think about it, I was talking to Ryan Leaf about it the other day, and I was like. What's the deal with Jim Caldwell? And he's like, oh, he's fantastic. He's such a good quarterbacks coach. I guess they were together somewhere. Who was his offensive coordinator that got fired? Was it Kevin Gilbride? With Mike Riley? Remember originally, like, that was his coordinator, felt comfortable, and then he was gone, like, by midseason. And it turns out Gilbride, like, his career ended up being a Super Bowl-winning offensive coordinator with Eli. Yeah. So, I I think, like, people, like, you said it, Trotter tweeted it the other day, which made me ask you. And then I asked Lee, he's like, oh, I played for him he's fantastic so him being with rosen and not having to do anything but he's not the oc he's not the head coach he's just the quarterback's coach and assistant head coach i guess so maybe he helps them decide when to are punt. we sure the dolphins kind of don't have their shit together right i now? just think their roster still is a little little bit away but yeah the, as an organization they might have their shit together john they feel just... i know nothing about brian flores as a head coach but i'm giving him a shot i mean i'll be honest i'm on team dolphins i'm kind of rooting I'm, for me him. too oh uh, but here's the other thing yeah i I'm rooting for all those teams. Like, I'm a big Josh Allen guy now, even though I despise him. I'm rooting for him to succeed. I like Sean McDermott. Obviously, I like Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm kind of becoming an AFC East homer non-patriot. Not that <laughs> I don't want to see them continue to dominate, but I like to see kind of what's going on with the AFC East. I think that's kind of a division on the come. Did you tell me that 
I mean, it's just it's a fact. Yeah. Three of the four top ten quarterbacks from the year before are the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, as long as Rosen beats out Fitzmagic. Wouldn't you be a little shocked if Rosen's not starting week one? Fitzmagic's made a career of just beating, just being right there and being ready to play. So I don't know. I but I'd say this one's a little different. Like Rosen should just be able to beat, like in practice, be able to outplay him. You'd think. You, yeah, I, I, look, it, I just not, wouldn't shock I'm, me. I'm with you. It's not like a you're not going against Mike Glennon or something, but he should a year into his pro career, a little comfortable. Right. If they're if they're uh, rotating reps. And again, if you're the Dolphins, like you wouldn't want, you just want yeah, to see like what he should got? be. He, if he's close, he should win. The, like he shouldn't have to like straight up beat him out. If he's just close, you know. So yeah, I'm with you. Because that's one. If you go like six, seven wins with Josh Rosen, but oh. you go, I think we got something here. I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, also, the uh, 2020 draft has people excited already. I saw the odds of Tua number one. Tua is at the top of a lot of major draft boards, John. There's a lot of unknowns, but here's the basic question. Do you think Tua Tonga-Vailoa will be the number one overall pick in 2020? I don't. I just, I don't. Uh, Understanding that last that this year's number one pick was not even on a, 20, a 2019 draft board. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are some things about his skill set that he's a smaller quarterback, which clearly is not as big of a negative as... It's it's never been less of a negative, right? right. Yeah. Just and he is he's tall like he is legitimately like six foot and a half or six one. So he's not five eleven midget. I mean he's he's big enough. Uh, he's Drew Brees. To me, his comparison is kind of like a Drew Brees, a left handed Drew Brees, Steve Young with a little less wheels. Like that's what he is. He's a really accurate timing, rhythm, good arm, not great arm player. So. To me, when you look at the last two two guys that went one overall, Kyler's physical skill set was immense, elite. Baker, who probably just in a body type, very similar to Tua, right? Just six foot and a half, like that type size, probably 210 pounds, whatever, had a little bit better of an arm. And there was, I don't know enough about Tua's personality. Uh, wouldn't you say a big reason that Baker ended up going one if, if you would imagine, if you talk with Dorsey, you're like, we liked, we thought all these guys could play, maybe him, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold. But the intangible stuff with Baker, just like, this guy is going to give a shit coming into Cleveland trying to win. Like, we liked his juice. We, we thought some Farvian or whatever kind of separated him from the pack. Like, to me, if Baker just would have been a normal quarterback without all the rah-rah, and I'm saying this as a positive, without just, this guy's going to come in and right. own the goddamn building. Yep. He's going to grab everyone by the balls and lead them up the hill. Follow me to freedom, Charlie Steiner. Follow me, follow me when to freedom. I, when I was great, working all with, time great ESPN. When I was working, might with, be my uh, favorite, John. Larry Beal the other night. Yeah, he's they in that commercial. Picture Is he in that commercial? He, yeah, because they had they had Robin Roberts, Robin Robin Roberts. Yeah, come on the show after, and they talked and they laughed, and he brought up a picture of like a the nineteen ninety seven ESPN crew guy. It was like. Oh, Might as well just be the Hall of Fame of broadcasters. Yeah, I mean, like Larry Beal, Robin, but then like Steiner, Eisen, Patrick, Kenny, Stu Scott, Kenny. I mean, you name it. And uh, the best ones what's of his the name? bunch. What's his name from um, old school? Uh, blonde yeah, guy. Craig uh, Carton. Kilborn. Uh, Kilborn. Kilborn. It, it, I mean, it's just incredible. And they're all doing, you know, like Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen. Uh, Kilborn got a late night show. Steiner, I mean, calls the fucking Dodgers. 
but you're right that that commercial was the best of the commercial. But again, back to Tua Tonga Valoa, I just don't think so. I think you know the guy that I think is going to be viewed as a better prospect, and I, I'd have to look at the schedule. They even play each other. I mean, they would play each other in the SEC championship game. Would be Jake Fromm. Yeah. Is there and you know the wild card is Herbert. Uh, I think there's probably much more unknown on him relative to those guys, but he can play his way into it. I think, well, he's been, he's going to play Auburn week one, which helps him, right, Herbert. Um, so he plays well. He'll have, I think just the fact that he plays at Oregon, he's already getting a lot of attention. Whatever it's worth, like I, don't, I know a lot of people like 2020 mock draft, like give me a break. Anybody that takes the time to go through a 2020 mock draft, I give them some credit that they know 32 players in the 2020 draft. You know what I mean? Like anybody that if you do a 2020 mock draft, I give you credit. I don't like mock you for doing a mock draft that's a year out. Like I give you credit for doing some homework on it. And Herbert has been Herbert's up there ahead of Fromm on most of these, but I'm with you. I think Jake Fromm. You know what I you know what I don't get, guy? Huh. I'm checking Alabama's schedule and I know you only get a couple teams from the east if you're them, right? You play all your teams in your division and then you play like one or two teams from the other division. Feels like they never play Georgia. They, this year they got Tennessee. That looks like it in South Carolina. Like, how do they never play Georgia? Mm. It feels like Saban talks to someone. Their, their schedule guy. Here's the thing that two is going to have going for them. Their tough opener is Duke. Then they get. Didn't they play you know, Duke the, last year? Then they get yeah probably. Then mm, they get the not. fighting New Mexico State Aggies. They must not have, yeah. Then they go to South Carolina. Aggies may or may not have their uniforms with them. Then they get Southern Miss. Then they get Mississippi. Then they get a tough little stretch of A&M, which is going to be good, and they're at Texas A&M. Tennessee at home, Arkansas at home, LSU at home. At Mississippi State, Cupcake, uh, Western WCU. I don't even know who that is. And then the Iron Bowl. Western what? WCU? WCU is Western Carolina. Oh, okay. So, guy, I mean, how is this team not going to be in the playoffs? Yeah. They're going to be. And they got, you know, Jerry Judy's going to be. A... Or at least, like, they, to me, more than likely, they're going to be playing Georgia in a game that's going to be two top five teams in the SEC. And those two quarterbacks might be the two top quarterbacks. Well, yeah, and if they're unbeaten, then they still might go to the playoff, whoever loses that game. Is there uh, another quarterback we're missing? Herbert, no, I think it's two? Th- I think it's a three-man group right now. Is the Eason legit? Could he be a one-and-done guy? He could be, but I don't – I mean, to me, like, he's not on the level of these three guys, at least the perception Shea, today. It's possible. Shea, Pat, Shea Patterson is not. You know, I mean, uh, like a guy who physically looks like a pro, like he put up a bunch of yards last year, was actually K.J. Costello at Stanford. Um, yeah, to me, he's a draftable player. What about the guy uh, I saw on Twitter one of the Heisman favorites is the quarterback from Texas. Starts with an E. His last name's kind oh, of the, funny. The kid that talks some trash. I like him. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of got some game. I, I don't know if he's like a top number one overall. Ellinger prospect, is Sam Ellinger. I'm just keep keep an eye, that, guy. Keep an eye on Sam Ellinger. I like it. The guy that went to Drew Brees High School. Yeah, I love that yeah. guy. Now he's pretty good. Texas. I, I wanted to sell all my stock on uh, on Hook'em. What, what what did he say? Hook'em horns. Yeah. See him, bro, or something. Remember <laughs> what his response to uh, the crazy ass coach for Ohio State. Said he was cheating on his wife at the massage parlors. Remember that Hook when they they were like D- DMing back and forth, and he released the DMs. Oh, the the um, what uh, Tom who's Herman. the coach? Yeah, who, yeah, Tom Herman. 
I think Tom Herman actually, I try to shit on him, might be a decent coach because by the end of the year they were playing pretty well. Yeah. I think they're just a pretty good team. Yeah. And it wouldn't suck if Texas is just good, right? <sighs> Who's our best hope out here beside Oregon? Washington? Or Utah. I mean, Utah did just have like, what they have, six guys drafted? You think Utah's just going to be good next year? I think they'll be good again, yeah. Like top fifteen, good. I don't know. I I still I don't think their quarterback play is consistent enough. People love people like love the whole package of Utah. I don't think they get consistent enough QB play. But their defense will be good again. They'll have. Isn't the QB more of a runner? Yeah, Huntley, same guys last year. But Zach Moss, the running back's back. You know who's getting a lot of NFL hype as yeah. like a top ten pick is hmm. the Colorado wide receiver. I know Lavisca Chenault. He should be. He would. He was going to be a Heisman candidate last year before he got hurt. How good is that guy? Legit. I mean, he's good. So, well, I do think the Pac-12 is going to have a lot more pro prospects this year because he's a top 10 guy. I think Washington's got the tackle coming back. Yeah, Oregon's got the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so there's Chenault from Colorado, and then there's um, – I think the Paulson Adebo, the corner, who's a he's a redshirt sophomore at Stanford – so they you, David Shaw thinks he's a top fifteen level pick. Does USC have a safety that's supposed to be big time? Mm, I hope so. Chip only has guys that look like Haberman and Middlecoff. I mean, it's, I think UCLA could be terrible. Jalen Johnson's the corner at, at uh, Utah. That's good. I don't know if he's a Washington's top got a D. Guy. Washington always has a DB that's going to go high. <laughs> right. You know, one thing, I, I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast, and I just, thinking about this, I wonder if they're going to regret it. Would they have been better off? Like, did they screw up by passing on Byron Murphy? Like, was Byron Murphy one of the biggest deals of the draft, getting what, him in the first pick what, and second round? What the Raiders, who need oh, a duty yeah, corner. I, dude, I think he's a ball. I know you, you've watched him a ton, too. Well, I like, what, what scheme can he not play? He can do, play man, he can play off, he can play zone. What What do you want him to do? He plays a ball? Like, he, he's, he can play in any scheme. Yeah, he's a little undersized. But, like, should you just pick them? Like, is that one of those where everyone was kind of overthinking it? I think, like, I just think he he's in the category of just, just baller, right? You know, I uh, had a conversation yesterday with someone in the NFL that knows what they're talking about, and they brought up an interesting point. I was texting with Coward last weekend, and he has this theory that a strength coach told him that he thinks one thing that's impacting the West Coast is our diets. <laughs> And just, you know, we're so much healthier out here than other parts of the country. And it's just impacting the strength of kids. And the person I talked to in the NFL was saying that he thinks that you're starting to see, he's like, because Haberman's theory was like, stop saying, you know, what was your thing about first round picks? Oh, about just that like having the 33rd pick is not quote unquote like having a first round pick. It's having the 22nd pick is actually like having a second round pick. He thinks like 20 years ago, the drafts in the first round just were much more loaded with just pure talent. And he's like, the last four or five years, it feels like it's getting a little worse every year that it's like, God, do we, are there really 20 first rounders in this draft? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of names. Right. But like, I, it ain't like 20 years ago. You know, in the drafts where like those Miami teams or Texas teams or USC teams, just in like the mid 2000s, where it's like, God, you were getting some elite blue chippers in the 20s. Like the Randy Mosses and Des Bryants of the world, they're just not going in the 20s anymore, even a guy that falls. 
he thinks that it's accumulation of the high school. You know how they've been talking about, well, high school football is becoming a little less popular. Just less people are playing, less talented people are playing. I don't necessarily know what they're doing because it's not like they're playing baseball or anything. Maybe they're just not playing football. And it's just not as much talent. He just He's like, I don't know, but we'll just have to – you won't be able to tell for like 10 years. But it's definitely felt like that the last couple drafts. Interesting. And the way a lot of these good teams – that because I feel like a lot of good teams back in the day, like we can get a really good player in the twenties. Now it's like we'll just trade out. Yeah, I don't know. Like I do wonder if we just went back and looked at a random draft, would it be as good as we think it is? Like from but to years me, ago? it's not necessarily what the guy turns into. It's like how elite of a prospect was he? Right, come out of college. I wonder. Well, I de- well, first of all, I definitely buy that theory. Like, are, are fewer people playing? If the pool is going down, then particularly on the West Coast. Um, then then yes, that's a thing. And I also wonder if there's such a specific level of coaching now that guys reach their potential sooner. Like, first of all, you specialize earlier, right? Your coaching is, there's way more coaches, there's way more specific instruction, which on one hand should make you better. But what if you're less raw? Like, what if it's part of the deal is you're reaching your potential sooner, which also it helps you as if you're scouting players go, oh, wait, I see what this... It used to be this guy wouldn't reach this level till he was 23. Now here he is at 19. And I already know I can kind of see what he's going to be. It's not as good as I would have thought if he was a raw player because he played multiple sports or because he didn't have as much specific instruction. I don't know. Okay, I just pulled up like the 2002 draft. I'll start at pick 20 and go to 32. Okay. So maybe, again, this theory, just eyeballing it. Yeah, maybe you're right. 20, Javon Walker, Green Bay Packers. New England Patriots, Daniel Graham, tight end, Colorado. Jets, uh, Brian Thomas, the end. Oakland Raiders, Napoleon Harris. Baltimore Ravens, Ed Reed. Uh, Saints, Charles Grant. Eagles, Lito Shepard. Niners, Mike Rumpf. Seattle Seahawks, Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, so may- maybe it's just nothing's really changed. But I think they would say, well, Jeremy Stevens come out of Washington tight end. Like, that was a big-time pick. Like, that, we thought that guy – Mike Rumpf was a, viewed as a big-time player. Now, those guys didn't become good players. Yeah. But I think those prospects at the time were viewed higher than maybe the prospects are viewed now. What do you think of my theory that, that because guys don't – because guys specialize sooner, they reach their ceiling sooner? And so it's less about projection, more about like, no, I'm seeing the complete player right now. I, I'm not that I, impressed. I, I, I think there's some of that. What do you think about the factoring in with the West Coast, the Colin Coward uh, diet? What what was the what was the um, theory? I just think that the strength coach did a strength coach and like maybe the SEC or the Big Ten told him that he thinks it's impacting the prospects on the West Coast that the diets are so so green out here and we don't eat less, like less meat. Just like yeah, just you know yeah. when we were growing up, you just ate. You know, you didn't even think about it. And I think in other elements of the country, they still just eat where I, I mean, I know I am, but would I be as cognizant of what I'm at now if it wasn't 2019? I lived in California. If it was 1983, I, I wouldn't. And you're just big right? portion control. Are you, do you follow JJ Watt on Instagram? Uh, no. Is that the uh, JJ Watt, the, the Texans? Well, I, I know. I'm trying to think. I definitely follow Instagram, him on Instagram, the social media. Oh, so. Does he tweet a lot? Does he Instagram a lot about the two dogs? Uh, not is yeah, yeah. So I just started following him yesterday because my wife Alyssa loves following him because he tweets about dogs and his food, and she's a dietitian yep. and she loves dogs. And she's like, "Go, you got to go see the video of him with his two dogs teaching him how to swim." So yeah, okay. it's funny. Well, he so, he had a pretty so, funny video a while back of being like, "I always thought people that tweeted videos of their dogs were losers," 
and then I got two dogs, and I treat them like my kids, and I'm going to tweet pictures about my dogs. So I went on his Instagram yesterday, and he had this photo of his meal, and it was a massive chicken. It wasn't a chicken breast. It looked like half of a whole chicken and two short ribs and, like, two big sides. And then the neck, this was his Insta story. His what were the sides? I don't remember. Like, like salads or? N- maybe. No, it was like, you know, like a brown rice and like something yeah. like something kind of heavier but nutritious. And the very and then the next story was like a picture of a barber's chair. He was getting a haircut. And then the next clip in the story was a chicken vegetable quinoa plate that was also very big. And I went back. I was like, wait a second. These are two meals in the same day. They were two meals five hours apart. They were well, massive meals. Well, God, oh God, he's six six, three hundred. Oh, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. So impressed. He's not from the West Coast, but uh, I was impressed but, with. But his I eating. think, like, to me, there's a difference of you can eat healthy and his calories are really high. Like, if you ate his meals, the calories would be way too much for you, even though it was healthy, right? Like, you follow. Yeah. Obviously, if you follow Antonio Brown, El Chapo, that guy's always making him food. Which wouldn't you say? Do you follow Antonio Brown and stuff? Mm, I did for a period of time there when yeah, he was a free the El Chapo meals. He was to a me, traded prospect. Yeah, they're they're not that big, and obviously he weighs what 190 pounds. He he wouldn't be able to eat as much as JJ. But I do think these guys, once they get to the league, and both those do, JJ, for example, is 30 years old. Wouldn't you imagine if you got his diet when he was like two years in the league, it probably wouldn't have been as healthy. Like I, yeah, I still do probably. think like younger players still like eat fast food and stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, and 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 eating right at that level when you need that much food and nutrition, it's expensive, it's hard, it's complicated. Like it takes effort. You know, you're living in the dorms or you're in high school. Like it's just easier to. I don't know, but to your point, maybe more high schools now. I don't know what high schools are doing, but you do all these camps, and maybe they're feeding you better food, and you're just not eating four cheeseburgers, and that might be better for your heart, but it doesn't put on as much weight when you're a uh, high school defensive lineman. I, I I think you'd have to beat the bushes and go to like uh, you know the the top areas in the Bay, Sac, the Valley, and like Fresno and like L.A. and talk to some high school coaches that are like Clovis West at at Crespi, at, you know, Oakland Tech, and just be like, when you the talent you play on a week-in, week-out basis, if especially guys that have been there for a while or De La Salle, do you think it's as good as it was 10 years ago? Like, do you think these teams are as good, or are we losing talent on the West Coast? I don't know, because it still feels like we get a lot of five-star guys, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think when you look back, like, I've talked to Nick Aliotti about it, um, and he his thing is he doesn't think those bodies have existed on the West Coast, like the like those interior, like the the Eric Armsteads and the the Forrest Buckners, like those guys, he says there's just less of them out here. There's more of them in the South. But there's always been less of them. Yeah, so that's he said that's that's always like there ain't there ain't twenty Quinn and Williams every year coming out of California, right? But the yeah, but part of it's like when Jonah Williams is coming out of Sacramento, like you got to get keep them on the West Coast. Don't let them go to Alabama. Yeah, well, like that, that's that, a but that's a college football conversation. That's not just a talent conversation. That's a different conversation. Well, see to me that exactly that's. I was talking to one EG, of our buddies. EGG, by the way, our buddy who trained Jonah for a year. Oh, I know. We played at Davis High for a year. I remember playing golf with EG and him telling me about this guy. And I was thinking, like, is he hyping this guy up? And it's like, fuck. The guy went 11 in the draft, started Alabama for three years. I mean, Incredible. that guy, they were dead on on that guy. Yep. I, I, the one thing is we got buddies that coach college football. I was talking to Bernardi the other day, offensive line coach San Jose. And he was just saying the big thing is, like, he recruits the Valley. 
that their top guy now won't just doesn't commit. Because when I was at Fresno State guy, we would lose the top. It would be like Pat would be like, well, he's going to end up going to SC. He's yeah. going to end up going to Oregon. Now it's like Bernardi was saying, yeah, this guy just committed to Oklahoma. It feels like we're losing our, some of our top guys now. At least it's to the top programs, but it's to Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, like Michigan. Remember Harbaugh came in a couple years ago and was sitting in De La Salle's class? So we could argue that's like, that's unacceptable. Like the Pac-12 can't allow that guy to get out. Yeah. So whether that's Oregon, whether that's USC. Cause or- I do Oregon's think- doing its part. I'll tell you that. Well, they're the best recruiting you know team probably in the conference, right? And Stanford's always unique. Like, they're unique, and I would say the thing for Washington is they just put eight guys. They just were just third among NFL drafted players, so they're they're doing a fine job. To me, the 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 thing that like the elite elite guy that's going to Oklahoma in in our like when you and I were kind of coming up, SC didn't lose out on that guy yeah. if they wanted. We need, we need SC SC to start. Like when Jim Harbaugh went to De La Salle and sat in the class and got the the poly guy that I think is a starting defensive lineman now, or maybe he's a tight end, zero chance Pete Carroll lets that guy get out of the state. By the way, before lunch, did you see – I'm seeing Lorenzo Neal Jr. on a lot of first-round mocks. Seriously? Yeah. When I say a lot, I mean I looked at one the other day and saw him on there. Maybe it was two of them, actually. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So – was it him last year that threw yes. something at the ref or something? No, like he committed uh, – I think he, it was a personal foul on the quarterback, wasn't it? You remember sitting in the office with that big guy? Junior. The, remember the guy that sat in the office? That's him, Yeah, right? yeah, 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 Junior. I mean, I just Lowe's a big – Lowe Senior's a big guy too. But, I mean, his his son's bigger. Massive. His son is Ball big. Purdue, right? Yeah. I'll tell you this. It's going to help when you read his report in your draft room. His dad was Low Neal. Like, that's – that's going to work in his benefit right. because you know coaches will be like, "That's Low Neal's kid." Because yeah. we've met you and I have gone to training camp, multiple training camps with the Raiders, and their staffs always changing. Every fucking coach knows that guy, right? Yeah. Yep. That's Low Neal. Yep. You walk out and they'd be like, they grab one of their players. That's the best fullback ever. This man belongs to the Hall of Fame. Yep. Which you know you could probably argue, probably not, but no, he's a hell of a player. Lunchtime. I'm starving. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.